podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something-something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Midweek Fix with the LFC Day Trippers. The show is brought to you by Football Prizes. It's an excellent website. Get over and give her a look. They do all sorts of good memorabilia that you throw in. Uh, usually £5 into the draw. You get yourself some swanky gear. There's being signed um, Stephen Gerrard shorts, signed Virgil van Dijk. There's Milner, there's Jürgen Klopp. Um, collage the works they do Leo Messi they do everything so go on and give them a look give them a follow some excellent stuff on there and they limit their draws to like 99 um 99 uh, tickets which is quite good you know you get a chance to win some really really top stuff in there so go over and give them a look give them a follow if you can um, yeah this is the midweek fix but it's a midweek fix for a difference because Liverpool have a week off and there's not really much happening in the world of football this week that interests us in any way um, so what we said we do tonight is we're going to have a look at how the season has shaped up so far. We're going to look at the top teams and um, who the runners and riders are so far this season for Champions League places, for league, uh, competing for the league and the Europa League spots as well. And I'm delighted to be joined by Chris, by Paul and by Jamie. How's it going, lads? All good, mate. You're looking well as ever. What, ah, what jersey yeah. have you got on there? Roma, Roma, is it? Yeah, Roma, an L training top. Yeah, I like me Roma stuff. I've a soft spot for them when it comes to <laughs> comes to Italy. Um, they're always very trendy. Now, what I don't like about this is it's very red and yellow, whereas it's usually Roma gear is usually more of a maroon and gold. But uh, you know, we make these exceptions. Um, more about yourself, Jamie. I decked out something dapper and Nike there yourself. I know. Look, it's it's getting to Christmas time, and I've got a November birthday, so you get kitted out with all the new oh, Liverpool yeah. gear when it's that. So, um, yeah, uh, sporting a few new uh, new Nike tops. That's allowed. That's allowed. Um, I was dropping hints myself to the missus about me Crimbo Prezi, so uh, no doubt I'll get jocks and socks and nothing LFC. But to be fair, know. though, mate, we're of an age now where you can actually never have enough jocks and That's socks you, you look forward you know, to you're, it. you know when you're a kid and like you get stocking yeah. fillers of like undies and socks you're like oh yeah. god what am i getting them for yeah. whereas now what i'd give for a pair of undies yeah. and socks mate yeah that august <laughs> you're looking at your nags and those holes in them and on you're like Bloody. a few more months they'll only to get through a harsh winter with these and then we're exactly. good to go good job, good, uh, good job you manscaped 
Well, that's <laughs> it. That's it, exactly. And it'll be a lot worse if he didn't. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, it's it's just a bit of fun tonight, lads. Um, that's why the boys have come on to join us. And we just said we'd have a bit of crack. We'll look at the teams and see see what's happening in and around us. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll see what the... I don't want to. We'll, you know what? We'll start from the top. Why not? We'll talk about the Reds. Um, Jamie, I'll start with you. How have you made? What have you made a Liverpool season so far? Um, I'm yeah. As I always say, whenever I come on, and you know, Keith, I, I'm an optimistic Liverpool fan. I would say. Um, I wouldn't say I'm overly reactionary. Um, I try to see the bigger picture, and I'm very much kind of focused on where Liverpool are at squad wise. The fixtures that they've they've had to navigate. I know when the fixtures first came out, you looked at those first block of fixtures and there was an absolute grenades in there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and when you look at obviously the injuries, and we don't like to harp on about them too much, but they definitely are a factor. When you look at how we've successfully been able to navigate through, I mean, if you if you'd have said rival fans for years, they were like, What would Liverpool do if they lose Van Dyke? Well, we've lost Van Dyke and we're still top of the league. And we could arguably, you know, with some VAR decisions probably going in the other way, we could be sitting four points um, better off than we are now. I, I think all things considered, this Liverpool team are only getting going. That's the that's the scary thing for the rest of the league is we're only now starting to build a little bit of momentum. We're looking sharp. There, there seems a genuine balance defensively we look solid as a rock um, and when you think of the likes of Thiago to come back in like I could do a podcast about Thiago on, on his own to be honest but when we'll he comes back in, in Jamie we'll put that in mate. when he's back in the team <laughs> um, yeah when you think of the, the players that we've got to come back um, you know and uh, you've know, got the likes of Jota Thiago um, I don't like talking about Van Dijk coming back as look uh, yeah. it, it's a bad one if, if we get to see him towards the end of the season or he manages to make the Euros fantastic for him but, you know, just Thiago and Giotta coming back in and just getting a bit of bit of consistent run of form now. We've got some, I would say, favourable fixtures coming up. Um, I, I, all things considered, mate, I, I couldn't be happy with where we're at. Indeed, indeed. And Paul, I'll come to you next. It's been a it's been a rough start, you know, uh, more emotionally rough, I think, for a lot of Liverpool fans. But when you look at the league table, it's 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 actually very uh, very pretty considering, isn't it? No, absolutely. It's been, as as Jamie alluded to, there was definitely some hand grenades in there. And I definitely think, you know, I, I love the fixture computer because it's about as random as like a script. Like it's some of the things it throws up and it's like fans are supposed to believe that this is a randomized thing, you know, leads <laughs> on the first day, yeah. you know, these kind of <laughs> highly coincidental fixtures that all happen on the same weekend. Derby's all at the same yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like, who knew, right? You know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously leads on the first day was, was tough because of the way that they play and they were such an unknown quantity and nobody knew exactly what they were going to do. And, you know, Chelsea away always looks difficult on paper, but we've just handled it all so admirably and you know it was very tough around and obviously in the aftermath of the derby because of how things kind of manifested through that game the fact that we really should have won the game obviously the injury situation to Van Dyke, but I think we've really bounced back really well psychologically from that and in a way I think you know like like Jamie I'm also an optimist when it comes to Liverpool but also something of a realist and I like to be able to look at it objectively as well but there's been opportunities 
present themselves through the injuries and through this whole situation, I believe that the squad at Liverpool is going to come out of this even stronger because we're going to have more options. We're going to be able to look to Reese Williams when there is, you know, a couple of defenders out in future. He's going to benefit from having the game time. You know, we're going to see the best of Thiago just when we need him the most. Yeah. And I think in a weird way, the injuries that we've had and the little bumps in the road, the, the sense that I got against Palace on Saturday was we're getting all of this out the way now and we're going to start really hitting the right vein of form and consistency just when we need it right at the right time through Christmas. Hopefully we can break the back of it and we can start to build something of a commanding league just the way we did last season. Indeed, indeed. Now, Chris, I'll come to you. Um, as Paul has said there, you know, we were, we're coming through an absolute nightmare situation with injuries and all and look to be getting lads into form. Do you see the Reds, like how how have you seen the first half and compared to the, what you think might happen for the second half of the season? Are you happy with where we're placed? And can you see the guys coming back being a big, big influence? Yeah, I look, you can't argue with four points clear. So I'm not sure what more can you ask with the situation we've been in. Um, in a weird sort of way, I'm actually in, in a weird way, I probably enjoyed this more than the first half of last season because it's been a bit more of a adversity. The problem, yeah. there wasn't as much adversity last year. You know, we came back from behind and all that, but it wasn't to this level. And I think for a section of our fan base, uh, I think it's probably given a bit of a wake up call of, you would believe in the crap and the hype of, oh, that we haven't got any squad depth and, you know, Firmino never scores and Shaqiri won't, when he plays, won't do anything. And, you know, we've got some kids who come in and they're, all the kids we bring in are crap. And then we're all going, but they're not though, are they? You know, this is not, I think some of our fan base are still thinking this is Liverpool of the 90s and the Rogers era where... I think, I think the scars run deep, Chris, for a lot they of do, fans. They do, we, they do. We've got a few in our WhatsApp group, mate. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm, you know, I'll be honest. Uh, I mean, Keith didn't know me probably, Pre uh, until a couple of years ago, but obviously pre when we were chasing top four, I'd be losing my shit all the time about how crap we were because you're chasing top four, and even then you're thinking it's a bit of a dream. This to be honest, whereas I'm a bit more relaxed. Even I think even the Villa result, although it was hard to take, I ended up laughing at it, thinking this is just a mental situation. This you know four shots that are deflecting, they go in. You sometimes you just sit there and go, it's one of them, isn't it? I mean, the Palace game was probably the reverse. You know, every shot we hit went in. Yeah. You know, and you know, we'll play like we'll play as well against Palace again, say against West Brom, and you won't score seven. It's just you know, so I I think it's shown people there are more versatile people than we think. What it does show us is because when Van Dyke and Gomez come back, it's gonna take them a while to get up to speed. You know, as superhuman as people think Van Dyke is, it still takes a while to come back from a big ACL injury. So we can now really go, well, let's start Fabino or Matter at centre back and use Gomez and Van Dijk to rotate the other position, just until they get up to speed. I mean, Fabinho has been a revelation at centre-back. We all, there, was, there was a big thought that he could play there. Uh, I mean, look, I still prefer him centre-mid, because I just think he gives us a, that little something extra. But, you know, fair play to the lads who have played there, you know. I'd, I'd agree with you, Chris. What I would say, to, ca- like to, to kind of follow on from that, I think if we didn't have Thiago... I wouldn't entertain the conversation around Fabinho moving to centre back, but because you now have Thiago. Now, don't get me wrong; you know he, he has questionable injury record, if you will, or he, he does miss games. But you know, if you're looking at best eleven on paper, I, I'll be honest. 
I'd be tempted now to put Fabinho in at centre back and have Thiago in midfield alongside Henderson. Um, which it's, is a nice problem to have, yeah. isn't it? It's it's more of a it's more of a debate now because we've we've actually got a bit of body of work of him doing it. You know, mm. it's great. He was great against Bayern and all that. And look, we all knew he had the capability of doing it, but two or three games there is not the same as he's done a run now of like ten games there, and you can sort of go, he's he's absolutely fine. Uh, and the other thing that I've been really pleased with is Gino Wijnaldum has kind of stuck it to a section of fan base who couldn't wait to kick him out the door and say, he's crap, he doesn't do anything. We've got Tiago. I know everyone wants a Tiago. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think people forget sometimes how good the players we have are. And we've now realised with, with Gino Ronaldo, he's not only is he a quality player, he's durable. I mean, what was it? I think he's only missed like 20 minutes of football for us. He, you know, it's unreal. It, it's a huge attribute, isn't it, for mm. for what we want with this team? Now we've seen what the 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 lack of durability and lack of resilience in some players has done. We've been left wanting with them, but it is a very good point. Now we won't spend too long talking about the Reds because we could really talk about them for the whole hour. But uh, Chris, will stay with you. Um, who's been your surprise package of the season for Liverpool? Uh, Curtis Jones, as in he's. I would say when we saw him break to the side last year, he looked like a flair player. Not for all that. You just thought he's a bit of a luxury player. He'll supplement some of the front three, you know, or we play 43-1. He'll he'll do that side of the game. There's nothing wrong with that. The turning point for me with Curtis Jones was Leicester at home, where he just did he he became what we what I praised Cater for in, in the uh past. He was part of the machine. The amount of times he cut out passing lanes and basically stop the ball getting to Vardy, which we haven't seen in the game because that wasn't, you know, he's a, he's an attacking player. He's done that. He's done that. And you now realise he's a cock in the machine and he does what we need him to do in midfield. But he still has that touch of class to pick a pass. You know, he's not afraid of a shot. You know, he's a confident lad. And the more you see him, you're thinking like, you know, he, he saved, he's probably going to save Liverpool a lot of money because quite frankly now, I don't see him now. As, where Nico Williams, I see as a kid, Harvey, I see as a kid, they're still, in my head, they're still developing. They haven't developed differently. I don't see Curtis Jones as a kid. I see Curtis Jones as a Liverpool first-teamer. And if he's in the side, I don't even worry. I don't go like, oh, that's a risk. Why are you playing Jones? I'm always, I'm actually quite excited to see it. It's becoming a debate now. Why do you drop him? Or why do you not start him? And that's credits of When he comes to the side, I, I just, it's like a shrug. You go, oh, okay, Jones, fair enough. And you don't, yeah. you don't, you don't look at it and go, oh, that's a bit of a concern. So I would say, to me, it's Jones. Yeah, very good, very good. And Paul, same question really to you. Who surprised you the most this season for Liverpool? Well, obviously, because Curtis Jones has taken, I think the other main candidate's <laughs> got to be uh, Callagher, hasn't it? You know, just how he slotted in and just, it was almost, you almost didn't notice he was there a lot of the time. But because of the fact that he was so calm and he was so assured and he did exactly what he needed to do and he didn't fluff his lines, he didn't make any mistakes and he clearly had the confidence of the team and the back four. You know, we're talking about, I mean, how old is the kid? What, 22? 21? Yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing for a goalkeeper at that age because that is, that's young for a player, right? But that's even younger for a goalkeeper. You know, goalkeepers don't ordinarily hit their, you know, their real peak until their 30s. So, you know, for him to come in and look so assured and to, you could see it even in, in his body language that 
he didn't feel out of place. It's a very similar thing. He's got to Curtis Jones in a very different way. I love Curtis for what he's got because he's got that real toxic A mate. I'm here on merit. It's almost that it's that scouse thing of like, you can't tell me that I don't belong here. That kind of vibe. Whereas with Kelleher, it's much more calm, much more kind of reserved, but there's a confidence, a very cool confidence about him that's going to bode incredibly well for the future. And I think as well, it, it's helped the club in a lot of different ways because, you know, it finally put the Adrian question to bed. And I think there's no question now about who the, you know, the undisputed number two is behind Allison and who could potentially be, you know, the heir to Allison's throne, you know, hopefully a long time in the future when Allison does decide to hang them up. Yeah, it's a great point because without getting on Alice, on Adrian's back, um, <clears throat> it was becoming a bit of a situation whenever he'd get in the team, whenever he'd get near the team. It was, there was too many questions. You could see it in the defense as well. The team weren't functioning with Adrian in there. And even though Quivin only played something like three games, you could see the confidence of the, the rest of the team. So it's a big show and he stepped in when we needed him. So yeah, it's a good show, Harvey. It's a good show. Jamie, what about yourself? Who surprised you the most this season? Um, and to, you can take the lad, well, anyone the yeah, lads. Yeah, I was going to go back to, to the Curtis Jones point and, and Chris made a lot of good points. I, I A couple of my good friends, they were um, his coach at the academy for years. And I remember them saying at the time that this kid was like nothing they'd seen. They said that he was incredibly gifted. Um, I suppose that the question marks would always be with Curtis is when he steps into the first team. In the youth teams, he's probably had teams built around him because he's so good. He's a maverick. He can basically do what he wants. He's got all of the attributes to do everything a midfielder should. But how does that transition into the first team? And and what I have been surprised with with him is not his technical quality, because I don't think that was ever in doubt. You can, you can see when a player, like a Jack Grealish, you know, when they receive the ball, they just receive it in a different way. It's like they play the game at their own pace. Curtis does that. He can slow the game, speed it up. Doesn't matter if there's three or four people around him. I think when we did the watch along, Keith, we were talking about bravery um, of, of players. And... You know, it, it, when when things go against you, it's very easy for footballers to hide. Curtis Jones never hides. He always wants the ball in any situation. What I have been massively impressed with is the other side of his game. Like Chris was was saying before, it's the tactical now. It's it's blocking passing lanes. It's uh, I don't even, I don't want to say the dark arts, but it's it's that discipline in midfield that it's very difficult to play centre midfield for this Liverpool team because a lot of time there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of players abandon abandon the defensive structure and go on the attack. You've got two fullbacks that are bombing. You've got three forwards, so you've got to be very very switched on and so that's probably one of them and then special shout out i suppose jota um like you'd Mm. you'd seen you'd seen bits of him uh looked a bit of a player um looked a little raw but since he's come in he's like a he's like a a man a mark too he's got a bit of salar in him he's got a little bit of of everything and if somebody has said to you you know you're going to bring in a player that's going to disrupt this front three that has done so much good for us you know, it's it, it's hard to scout, you know, kind of look across world football and find a player that can do it. And he's done it within four or five games. You know, he, he could easily play in any game and I would be happy with him starting. Um, and I'd be equally happy with him coming on at 60 minutes and, and being confident that he's going to make an impact. So, um, Jota. And then the other one would probably be Reese Williams. 
Um, <clears throat> just because, and, and I'm, I'm unsure who's the guy that sits in between the uh, the youth team. He, he's come in, I think. He's Spanish, Spanish, yeah, so, so he's basically come in to bridge that gap between the the youth setup and the first team. And yeah. he he basically said to Klopp, "Look, you need to take a look at Williams." He's come in and look, he's going to make some positional errors because the speed at which he's playing now against men, it's going to be difficult and you switch off for half a second. He's going to get caught sometimes. But he played against Tottenham the other day against Harry Kane and Son. And the two was, superb. Was, was, yeah. was absolutely superb. Look, you're going to get dragged out of position sometimes. But for that lad to step in, in the games that he has and, and the importance of those games... As we said, we all kind of sat here and were like, are oh, Liverpool going to go into the transfer market for a centre-back? The the rumblings are now that we're probably not. Um, whether I agree with that or not is a different question, but you have to take your hat off to Reese Williams. He's absolutely taken his chance and, and proven that the, the future is bright for him. It, it does, because it touched on something there, especially you, Jamie. You've mentioned a few players there, and that's I think that's the thing. So many have stepped up in a season where people thought it was a write-off because we lost players. And I, I harp on about this all the time. When Man City lost uh, Laporte last season, it was all doom and gloom and there was a, a bit of an excuse made in the media. Oh, well, they lost Laporte. How would Liverpool if they lost? And they usually rattle out bleeding four or five of first names on your team sheet. And this year, we've had to deal with that. You know what I mean? We've lost that two centre-backs to season-ending injuries. We've lost other players at various points, the goalkeeper at various points. You know, we've suffered an injury crisis like no other, but so many have stepped up. Fabinho in at centre-back, I think, has been maybe not a surprise, but the the ease at which he's gone into centre-back has probably been a surprise because he's he's just been amazing there. So it's been um, a few names in there, which is good. And a lot of young lads, Nat Phillips got a few shouts in the, in the chat there as well, which is, you know, one we forget about. He's played a couple of times and he's been excellent when he's played. So it, the, the good, there's good vibes there. Jamie, I want to stay with you. How do you see the second half of the season going for the Reds? Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Uh, I'm super confident, mate. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, as I said before, with the, with the players that uh, we've got to come back, um, I think we've navigated some very difficult away fixtures. Um, you know, a lot of the a lot of the big sides have got to come to Anfield. Um, and look, you cannot account for the experience of winning the league, um, what that gives the players, the belief they've been through this before. Um, you know, I, I think given the, as I said, the, the, I, I know I always talk about Thiago and I need to, to cool me jets a no, little bit. No, but no, but when, when he plays football, he plays it on a different level. Um, the protection that he will give the back four, but more importantly, the offensive out, uh, outlet that he will give us. He will pick passes to those front three players that no other, that not many other players. I would say De Bruyne um, would be able to would be able to find. Um, I'm so excited to see how he slots into this team. Um, and as I said, with Jota, who, who has been a revelation, with players like that to come back, mate, I, I only, I actually think we'll be better in the second half of the season and could look to stretch the stretch the lead. Yeah, excellent. And Paul, what about yourself? How do you see the second half going? 
just to echo Jamie's sentiments, I think there's a real chance now to really start building quite a command and lead. You know, you look at the festive fixtures, you look at West Brom and Newcastle, both very winnable games. January looks good as well, even though we do have Manchester United and Spurs in that month. Uh, February's going to be the big one because there is some very, very difficult games in February with obviously the Champions League coming back. But, you know, just to kind of you know cover it overall, I think we are starting to approach that dream situation where we've got two players in every position. And ironically, that injury crisis possibly could have produced that for us and has actually left us, like I kind of mentioned before, in a stronger position than what we were before with more options. And that is, you know, a testament to the squad as a whole. And, you know, just to touch on the the, the Curtis Jones situation again, I believe James Milner's had a huge role to play in Curtis's development because he's been really testing him, apparently in training and in and around the club and really seeing whether he's got what it takes. And apparently Curtis has been really, really responding in a positive way, even though apparently he's not enjoyed the pelters off, <laughs> off Milner and they come on, have you, have you got this in you or are you going to take your ball and go home? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I think we've got every chance, every chance. I look at the other teams in and around. And, you know, it's it's tough to see, apart from another club that we'll talk about later on, uh, one, one particular club where I think they're the only ones who can possibly put a, a big run of fixtures together that could potentially challenge us. Excellent. And we'll come back. You can re- do the big reveal on that one soon. Chris, <laughs> what about you? Do you? How do you see the second half going? Trying to... Trying to take me red, red tinted glass off a little bit, which is always difficult. Um, in terms of the league, um, I can see us going on. We feel like we're about to go on a run like we did last year, which I think will keep us comfortable in the league. And I think I, I would be surprised if we didn't retain. Um, my area of concern is look, as well as Nat Phillips and Reese Williams on, and they've done brilliantly. I still don't, I still think you can't knock having a bit of experience at centre-back. And my slight anxiety would probably be, if you look at February for the Leipzig game, we've got Everton at home, Leipzig, Leicester away. There is not a cat in hell's chance. Uh, Matip can play all three. He barely does, you know, he does one game a week. So which game are you throwing in, Nat Phillips or, or a kid? And I, look, they could go in it, they could do brilliant. But I do feel that's a lot of pressure to put on like a Reese Williams. I know he's done it, but you could have crowds back then as well. I feel that's a, that that does feel like you're setting a kid up a little bit to fail. I think with kids, you've got to give them a few games and then pull them out. Because Reese Williams is not like a Curtis Jones, who is ready. I think Reese Williams is a guy who does his two, three games like he's done and gets pulled out for a couple of weeks and put back in. So I just feel that if we don't, and the talk is we aren't going to back sign anyone in January, I do feel that that, that is going to probably hinder your, your chances in the European Cup. Because I generally think if we had a, a third centre, a third experienced centre-back option to go with the two kids, you could be looking at Liverpool going quite deep in Europe and the league. That would be my only caveat to it. But uh, league-wise, I'll be, I, I, I do think we'll, we'll retain now because I just look at the other sides who have had less injuries than us. I just don't think they're consistent enough yet. And I still don't think we're seeing it. Even City, who are probably our people argue our biggest threat, they still haven't won three games in a row yet. And they only did that once last year. And that was when post lockdown when the league was when they basically the league was lost to them anyway. So it, there was no pressure. But you know, in two years now with the pressure being on, they haven't won three games in a row in the league. Mm. Yeah, you, aren't gonna, you aren't you aren't gonna challenge or retain a league if you can't get a run going. 
true. Um, before we move on, Walter Matilda, thanks for the super chat. Any red, um, any reds think Benitez will end up at Arsenal if they're smart knowing him, he's mad enough to go there. I'm going to leave that for a while because we're going to come to Arsenal later on in the show. So we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that. So thanks for the super chat, Walter Matilda. We will, we will discuss that later on. Um, so just bear with us on that. Um, right, we'll move on to the next team, lads. We won't spend as long on each of these because, you know, we all love talking about the reds. We can talk about them all night. Leicester are second at the moment and Jamie how do you think Leicester have done are you surprised that they're they're second in the league or is it just a case of well the the everything below us is chopping and changing on on the weekly that it's different teams or do you think Leicester have what it takes to to do a real push no, no, I don't. Um, I think it's a bit, little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a, a false position for them. Uh, I think a lot of their early points were picked up with penalties, scaldy wins. Um, I, I wasn't overly worried when we were we were playing them at Anfield. To be honest, don't get me wrong. I, I like Brendan Rodgers. Um, I think he's. I, I, I know it's very. Um, very easy for some Liverpool throw, uh, fans to throw shade at him. I actually think he's a, he's a great manager, great coach, um, but. I just don't see Leicester as as um, serious contenders. I actually think that they won't make top four. Um, I just think that they've had a, a kind of run of fixtures that have, have worked well for them. A um, little bit of a false position. Um, Jamie Vardy's always going to be a threat. Um, and I think James Madison's a super player. Um, but outside of them, uh, I think they've got... Is Pereira to come back a fullback as well? Uh, yeah, they've missed him. Hmm. They've missed him massively. So they've got players to come back. Um, I just think there's better teams than Leicester that are more equipped to go deep into the season and mount a challenge. Um, I think there's a little bit of a soft underbelly there uh, with, with Leicester, um, whereas I think the other teams will have a little bit more steel, a little bit more nous, and, and are ultimately littered with more quality across their spine than, than Leicester um, that would allow the others to maintain a challenge. Yeah, true. Paul, what about yourself? Leicester, are you being impressed with them? Or again, do you think it's a, a false false dawn again for them? I do think it's a false dawn for a number of reasons. And I think I said it after the Leicester game that they looked mentally weak at Anfield. They looked like they were beaten before they'd even got on the pitch, quite frankly. And that, as much as I respect Brendan for what he is and what he's achieved... You know, that is actually a, 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 a trait of his teams that they are very pretty. They're very tactically adept on their day when the plan comes together and everything comes off of them. They can get amazing results, but they're not consistent. And mentally, the Brendan Rodgers teams have always had that little bit of fragility about them. And I think that's a reflection of, I always think teams are reflections of their managers in some regard. So I think it reflects on Brendan and, you know, he's still really, you can still consider him to be quite a young manager in the game, even though he's been around for a long time, you know, he's still in his forties, he's still learning the trade to an extent. But the thing more than anything, I think that rules Leicester out of it. And again, I agree with Jamie. I don't think they make top four. Their home form is atrocious. And, you know, they must, want every other game this season to be rearranged and they could play the rest of the season away from home because yeah. if you look at their home form it is just garbage and you know one they win. really really struggled there so one win isn't it is it one win at home uh, all one season win yeah i think it's one win at home the whole season and all of their best results of including when they beat man city uh five two that came away from home so you know you can't build 
a top four challenge, and you certainly can't build a title challenge off the back of only being good either home or away. You know, you need to have both. So for me, I, I don't think they'll, they'll, they'll look good. They'll get some great results and they'll probably <coughs> score some gorgeous goals along the way, but too fragile for me. And as I say, home form is, is a real problem for them. Chris Lester, talk to me. Jacqueline Hyde. Uh, I mean, the guys have made all the points here. The home form's atrocious, but they're a perfect away side, which is why they could beat Spurs, they could beat uh, City. Uh, but again, when it doesn't quite go for them, you know, yeah, they can't be losing at home to the likes of Fulham. Uh, I do think Soyuncu, I can never say his name right, uh, the, the big not a bad effort that maze I'll go yeah, with that <laughs> yeah I do think they miss him you know he's been out for I think he's due back in January I think that would help them because I think that's what the, they need they need a, that little bit of leadership at the back uh, Evans has been in and out with injuries and then it's just uh, quite a few kids so I thought I think Leicester would be there thereabouts for like Europa League which you know is not for them is consistency if they get, if they get Europa League again two years running you know that's that's how they build up to so, because that's where that's where they need to be is consistently in Europe, which gets them the next level of play, which is what they want, which helps them out. Um, I slightly disagree, with Jamie, on Madison. Um, I don't get the hype. I think he's very overhyped for what he does, and I think he's very good at going missing uh, when you need him. Um, whereas Grealish, who I was a bit critical of last year, steps up, and you can see when it's hard. He, he, that's when you know it's Grealish. Uh, I do find Madison. Um, Will disappear when it dis- when it gets hard, which is what he did end of last season. He was one of the reasons why Leicester didn't get top four. Yeah, he's another um, one of those players where you've got to build the team around him. Yeah. Um, and if you're a, if you're if you're a smart midfielder or or you're a smart coach, you play off his blind side because he won't turn his head and he won't track. But offensively, mm-hmm. he's he's bright and he can pick a pass and he'll always be able to create create when the game's in front of him. But I, but I think you're right. There's, there's definitely holes there for for opposition mm-hmm. to expose. He's the reason I wanted United to sign him because I thought he's not what they think he is. Mm-hmm. And I think top, I think better teams as we we've proven when we play against him, play off him. And play mm-hmm. ways. I mean, when we beat them uh, December last year, they played him left wing, and it was just a field day for Trent. He just he, he just didn't know where he was going every time, um, you know. But I know what you mean going forward. You know, he's got all the ability. But football these days, as much as you can be a flair player, a great player, you've got to have it both. You've got to be able to do both parts of the game, and the best players can. You know, even Ronaldo, it's the Curtis Jones syndrome. We said it before. He had, he had everything going forward, and he's shown that he's got the nous and, and the game smarts to do the ugly side as well. Look, even the best Messi and Ronaldo, they don't do it as much now because they're in the the twilights of their careers. But in their peak, they worked their asses off going the other way as they did going forward, and the and the best players always do. As mm. uh, so, you know, look, Madison. He, he can add that to his game. I don't think it's that difficult to build it into him. It's whoever the manager wants to. Mm. Yeah. I agree with Chris on that, to be honest with you. He reminds me a bit of Coutinho in that regard, where in order to mm. get the best out of a player like James Madison, absolutely everything has to go through him. Mm. And therefore, you kind of, like Jamie said, you're building the team around him. But if he decides to have an off day or go missing, you're screwed. Like, mm. you, you basically yeah. have got nothing else left to give. So he's he's a... He is a quintessential luxury player. He is in in a an age of luxuries not really being required anymore. No, Liverpool, you great example there being Coutinho. You know, people still the argument still happens. Would you take him back? But 
these types of players you have to play through them it has to be everything built around them and and the modern game now is moving more to a team game for a lot of these Roy Chris I'll stay with you has anyone surprised you on Leicester or who's been their standout player for you this season uh, try, try, I don't actually watch loads of Leicester to be honest um, Harvey Barnes actually has been when I've seen him right, has actually looked a pretty handy player he's still developing but yeah. th- there's definitely a bit of a an exciting winger in him you know he probably is like the next Mark Brighton, which they had in the uh, Champions winning team. So the bits I've seen of him, I mean, look, the obvious one's Jamie Vardy, but we all know what Jamie Vardy is. But uh, Harvey Barnes for me has done, whenever I've seen him play, especially in the big games, has actually looked quite a handy player. So I'll probably go with Harvey Barnes. Good stuff. Paul, what about you? Anyone uh, you've enjoyed on Leicester this season? Yeah, I think Fafana is showing some decent yeah. potential. And, you know, again, with Soyuncu, being out of the team and Evans being in and out of the team as well. He's provided a little bit of consistency in there as well. So, yeah, for Fauna, I would say he's, uh, he's he's showing some promise. He's only 20 as well. Like He's very, very good for a 20-year-old centre-back, isn't he? Mm. Um, some of the lads are throwing shouts in there. Hey, Lauren Jargon with Fafana as well. Olivier saying um, Nampalas Mendy was very good. Danny saying Ndidi. Uh, David Walsh going for Castagna. Jamie, anyone stood out for you on Leicester? Uh, the fullback Justin, uh, really yeah. like the look of him. Looks yeah. lo- looks super. I thought he was excellent against us as well. I thought he was a real outlet for them. Uh, first 15, 15, 20 minutes. Looks like a proper player. Yeah, he does. He looks a talent, that fella. Um, Jamie, you'll say with you. Can I think we know the answer? You can. Can you see Leicester sustaining this for the second half of the season? No, no. I, I, like uh, like like Chris was saying before. I, I think if they can they can get a Europa League place, I think they'll have done well. Um, there's there's some decent sides, and there's going to be a lot of competition now for for the top four. Um, it was interesting to kind of listen to the lads on on Monday Night Football, and there's been a lot of talk around who who everybody thinks will make the top four now. And there's some genuine competition there. Um, I'm just delighted that Liverpool kind of sit above that fold a little bit, and uh, I, I think we're. I think we're comfortably better than the rest. Yeah. Paul, what about you? Can you see them sticking it out or you're over league for them? I mean, on some level, it's quite hard to tell because I, I get the sense that a lot of the teams we're talking about or about to talk about, they're at very similar levels. And I think if any one of these teams has an outbreak of consistency... Yeah. They're going to do themselves a massive favour because at the moment it, it's kind of resembling like crabs in a bucket trying to pull each other down rather than, you know, try and, you know, lift themselves up basically. So I think if Leicester do sort their home form out, there's half a chance, but not for me, I'm afraid. I think it's going to be Europa League again. Yeah. And Chris? No, Europa League for me. Good man, we won't spend much more on that. <laughs> Next, we're going to move on to a team who have the best away record in the league. Six wins out of six games. Manchester United. They're like a, a better version of Leicester, aren't they? Because their home form isn't up to much, but their away form is excellent. Um, Jamie, man, you, what are you making them? Um, they're a funny one. They're a funny one. Um, they remind me a lot of what Liverpool used to be. Um, on their day, they can beat anybody. And they have the players to convince the fans that this is, I don't, you know, like we always used to say, this is going to be their year. Um, I think there is a, a big gulf between Manchester Manchester United and Liverpool, first and foremost. I, I still see City 
as a, as a cut above United. Um, they just need to start scoring goals with Aguero back. I, I, I assume that will improve. I think City have got the best defence in the league. So I expect City to, to, to motor. Manchester United, though, I, I think are the best of the rest. Um, I, when I look at United, I still think, I still think you can get at them. Um, I, I think they have weaknesses, uh, defensively. What I do feel when Man United are allowed to sit and play counter-attacking football, they're dangerous. When the expectation is not on them to retain the ball, uh, move the opposition around, create bag full of chances, um, they'll struggle. When they played against Leeds, for example, the game was perfect for them because Leeds vacate so many spaces against Manchester United who can break so quickly. It's basically just giving them everything that they want. So um, United have got some tough games to come. They've got a lot lot of tricky away fixtures. Again, it's a little bit of... a lot of United fans say to me, look, we win our games in and we're two points behind Liverpool. Don't let that fool you. There's there's a million miles between the yeah. sides. Um, but I do feel that Manchester United have the ability to put a run together to see them finish second or third in the league, uh, depending on how City you know, sort themselves out second half of the season. What I would say is I don't think it's down to the tactical nous of the manager. I think a lot of their results are based on the individuals that they have within that side. Um, and the longer that the fans can convince themselves that it's to do with Oli, it will be for the benefit of the rest of the league because I think it's purely down to the talented individuals they have. I agree wholeheartedly on that. I think the best thing for us is that they do have a nice league campaign because it makes it harder to, to sack Ole and genuinely think he's going to hold them back. Um, Paul, what about yourself? Man United, have you been impressed with them this season? Spice Boys 2.0 as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, good shows. Sorry, just no. And don't let the results against Leeds United throw you either because that was literally a one-off game where... An opposition team set themselves up so perfectly to be absolutely annihilated by what the like what the other team wanted to do. Like Leeds couldn't have set themselves up any better for Manchester United if Bielsa had actually done his usual trick and just sent the team sheet in a week early, you know. <laughs> so I don't I don't buy it at all. I think there are I am I am so sick to death of this thing where two weeks ago Ollie was getting the sack. Now it's talk of like, oh, are they gonna challenge Liverpool for the title? And this yo-yoing from one extreme to the other. And they they are they are the ultimate Jackal and Hyde team as far as I'm concerned. But they are a one-trick pony and they are flat track bullies yeah. and they come up against any team that has any ounce of nous about them, they're going to run into real problems because they're incredibly one-dimensional. The other team that did that, and I think actually it, it speaks well to go back to Liverpool for a second, I think it speaks well to the Champions League because look at what United did to Leipzig. Yeah. And if if United are capable of doing that to Leipzig, then that bodes possibly quite well for our tie in February. But for me, I'm not buying this whole thing best of the rest. I think they are in a false position. I think they've scraped a lot of games. They've come from behind quite a lot of times. And teams like that, as Jamie was saying, they do remind me of Liverpool in the 90s, where you go to the well one too many times and it comes up dry. But I also agree with with what you're saying as well, mate, about a good league campaign 
will be to the benefit of Liverpool Football Club because it keeps that man in charge of the club because it is a good squad. I've got to say it. They have got good players. And if they get a decent manager in there, like a Pochettino, for example, then the conversation will start turning. But for me at the moment, they're not a football club, Manchester United. They're a PR exercise. Very true. Chris, what about yourself, Manuel? Impressed? Not impressed? False dawn? Best of the rest? Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Uh, they look like 13-14 Liverpool. It's the best way I can describe it. Is they look exciting going forward, and they've got that's where their their threat is. But I think they look like a car crash at the back. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't trust any of their defenders. You know, and De Gea, while still he's a very very good goalkeeper, but he's not the level he was two, three years ago where he was like superhuman. So I just think long term, I think eventually that defence is going to let them down. I think that, or we've already seen it in the Champions League and we've seen it against the better side, some of the better sides. It has, that is what's let them down. I mean, look, it's great they keep coming back from it, but you can't keep going into away games going 2-0 down before you wake up. There's only so many times you can get away with that. So if they could tighten up at the back, I would have more of a, I would have more of a worry about them. Uh, but defensively, I just don't think they've got what they need um, at the back. You know what it is about United? It's weird. If you actually look at the sample size, and like let's let's be honest, let's call it out. They've got a lot of penalties, right? So that has yeah. helped them massively, right? Uh, that that is a, that is a huge thing that often gets discarded. What I would say is, Man United, and somebody could probably pull up the stats and prove me wrong here. It kind of lends itself to the way that they're allowed to set up. So against the the top sides. Um, I think that they'll do okay because the onus isn't on them to attack. So they can sit like a coiled spring and try and catch people. Um, I think their success will be determined with how they do against the rest because I don't, I don't see them having... I, I think they'll do okay against the top sides. It's are they able um, to, to, to beat the teams that they should be beating. Um, I still think Manchester United have got a rick in them. I don't think they have the, the squad to, to hit the consistent levels that would be required to challenge at the top. Um, but I do think that they'll have enough to, to sit a, a, a above some of their other rivals. I think their biggest strength is that the league is absolute shy and a team like them, the way they're set up, they they don't really, Joseph Welch, Reds and Kayla saying, you've all got red tinted linkers on, you know you're there to threat, discard them, discard them at your own peril. Now I don't know if Joseph's a Liverpool fan or you know you're a fan, but I mean... I Both are welcome, good. both are welcome, yeah. Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Except all sorts here. But no, it's... Um, it's interesting. I don't worry about Man United from a liver as a threat to Liverpool, but they could be a threat for the top four places. I know they finished in the Champions League places last year, but he's mentioned it there. They're in a constant sort of up and down. You know, three weeks ago they're they're out of the Champions League, all is all is woeful. And now they're second in the league and it's all oh, we're coming to get you. Do you know what I mean? It's it's so inconsistent. And as you said, you know, the more of that the better because it keeps Ole in the hot seat and as long as Ole is there you know, happy days. Has anyone impressed you from Man U this season or surprised you? We'll, we'll rattle through these because we, you know, we've a few teams to get through. Jamie, anyone at United impressed you? 
Put the words out my mouth there. I couldn't resist that one. It's too easy. Do you know, it's not overly shocking. I rate Bruno Fernandes. Again, I always talk about bravery and he's the type of player. He shows up big moments. He delivers. You know, he's one of those players that can go missing for 60, 70 minutes of a game and look like he's having a bad game and then he'll wrap one into the corner. I think he is that kind of maverick figure for Manchester United that has really kind of kicked them on and dragged them through games at times. So I do. I think he's a, I think he's a player. Very true. Very true. Uh, Paul, yourself? Paul Pogba's agent. No, I'm not <laughs> All the hits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most, exactly. Um, <laughs> shut up and play the hits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Basically, uh, on on a. To be honest, like, I mean, it's it's difficult to kind of pick one out. Um, You're struggling to be kind to them, there, Paul. I can see it in your I, face. I am. I am. It's kind of begrudging, to be honest. Yeah. What, what I'll what I'll do is that I'll I'll go with a player who I think might actually impress in the second half of the season. How's that? Because I think yeah. they have bought a player in Alex Tellers. Mm-hmm. I think he has got a lot of potential, and he's very quick, and he's got a decent free kick on him. And if they learn to actually play him in his right position and get him off the bench, I think he'll improve United. Big if. It's a big if because Donny van der Beek could improve them as well, but he can't get off the bench. You know, with their, their, their transfer business, they they still look to sign big shiny stars and not know what to do with them. So, you know, we, we'll wait and see. Very quickly, lad, second half of the season, can you see United maintaining this and being the, the, the challenge or the, the best of the rest, Jamie? Um, I In my head, I have them coming third in the league. Um, I think that they'll get top four. Um and, and it will be a case of how they do against the rest. I think they've got enough to to, to last the pace for a top four battle, but not a, a a champions fight. Yeah, good stuff, Paul. Fourth for me, I think they're coming to get us until the Europa League kicks off again. Yeah, very true. I forgot all about that. And Chris, I think they have as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> Chris, uh, yeah, I'm with Paul. I think they'll come fourth, but I think they'll have a good uh, Europa run. Yeah, I think Europa. I think the Europa set up perfectly for how they play. Yeah, they'll take advantage. Of There's that some team. decent teams in the Europa this mm. league. I was surprised by that. Usually, you look at it and you don't know half of them. There's actually some some genuine quality. I'd love to see Stevie get the draw against United. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? Yeah, can you imagine that? <laughs> and you know they're they're not a bad team. Rangers in Europe, they're set up. You know they they'll soak up pressure and they'll. You know, you wouldn't know what to do because they're not going to come out and attack them, you know. So, yeah, very interesting. You but anyway, the funny thing is about yeah. that, just as quickly on Rangers, don't Rangers in Europe with Gerard, the way he sets them up, don't they remind you of 2001 Liverpool when Rafa? was in charge? Oh, Julian. Oh, Julian. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that, of how that pragmatic approach of like going away, yeah. getting a decent result, getting them back to their place, you know. I, there was, um, I can't remember, there's an academy player did an interview when he'd worked under Gerard, and he said, like, uh, he's not what you think he would be. Everyone thinks he'd be a bit like cloppish. And they all said, like, he's tactically obsessed and he's quite aloof, which sounds mm. like Rafa, who we used to have a bit of a ding dong with. Well, clearly, well, he, but he said, though, didn't he, Chris? That he's, he's, uh, like, he's the he's one biggest influence. The biggest, yeah, which is interesting. But it's interesting because even when you see his interviews now, his mannerisms, 
there is quite Rafa-esque in him, which to be fair to him, it's not a bad it's not a bad thing. It's a it's a good thing for him because being tactically obsessed will will get you very far. You know, mm. I've been quietly impressed with him because um I'm sure it's a different show. Do you want Gerard as the Liverpool manager? We can have a very big debate on that. Because I've been firmly in the not for me. But you know, well, do you know what? I'm gonna do a quick segue here because Walter Matilda put a, a super chatting earlier about Rafa being a possible um Arsenal manager, and we may not get to speak about Arsenal, so while we're talking about Gerard and Rafa there, there are two names that get linked with Arsenal. Now, Arsenal are at an absolute shit show at the moment and they're only going one way and I can't see them really getting over at the moment with Arteta. I think, you know, it's going too far to that you'll have very little support. Do you think Rafa would take on an Arsenal or do you think yeah. Stevie might be interested in taking an Arsenal like for a, a big club? but not with the pressure of winning titles. Like, do, you, do you think either of them might be interested in an Arsenal job? Chris, I'll start with you. I think Rafa would. He's worked, he went to Chelsea when they all ate him. He's worked for Mike yeah. Ashley, who everyone hates him, and, so, yeah. and he got relegated with him. You know, he worked under Hicks and Gillette, and, he, and, they, ate, and they, they all hated each other. So he's, a, he's mental for that. He, I, think he, I think he likes a spiky challenge, yeah. uh, but he's probably what they need. Tact, someone who's very, very tactical. And Rafa is, Defense first, and yeah. at all costs, you know he will he will get someone like a David Louise sticking in a position. He will get players playing to their strength, and he will bin off some of the shite they've got there, <laughs> some of the hype they've got there. He will be telling Sabayos, "You can sit on the bench next to me until you can pass a ball more than two yards and stop yeah. passing it backwards." That's all he does. The mm-hmm. hype that he was in Exelanda was utter bollocks. It turns to Stephen. It turns to Stephen Gerrard. If I was him for his, if he ever wants to be a a Liverpool manager or ever wants to work at a elite club, I would avoid Arsenal like the plague. Cause I think if he goes to Arsenal and it goes tits up, which it probably would, I think he would, he'd become in the Brendan Rogers mold of he'll always get to a certain level and then he won't get above it. Like to me, I, I can never see Brendan Rogers getting a, uh, a champions, a, what we call the traditional champions League, like a Man United, a Man City, a Liverpool. I can't see Rodgers ever getting one of those jobs again. I think he's too scarred with how badly certain things went in Liverpool. And I think that would happen to, I sadly think that would happen to Gerard if he went to Arsenal. Rafa, I think would be perfect for Arsenal. And I think um, he would make them, as in you'd fear playing Arsenal because you've gone like, I mean, we're going to talk about another manager in a minute because they've got him in the dugout. You think like, he's going to throw something we're not expecting. Yeah. So I, th- I, I think Rafa would be perfect for them. I was going to say, I just thought you made a good point there on, on Rodgers. I had a little bit of info that um, Arsenal are big on Rodgers. Um, mm. they're, they're really interested in, in yeah. trying to get him. Um, and I think he'd be a good fit for them personally. I think, and I totally agree just to, on, on the Rafa points. I, I love Rafa um, and Arsenal, you know, they, the one thing that you can say about Arsenal is they have wobbly foundations. And the one thing that Rafa will be able to do is build solid foundations with which, look, he might not be their manager for the next five years, but if he comes in for three, he'll make them a very difficult team to beat competitive and then give them the foundation for the next manager then to kick in. Um, I think Stevie should avoid that type of role. I think he's doing a magnificent job at Rangers and hopefully get some silverware this year and then potentially make a move to Europe, I think would be a, would be a good next step for him. See how he does with a, with a good European side. I think Dortmund have been mentioned, you know, I'm I'm not saying that that's the team, but someone of, of European pedigree test himself at the top level and then see how he does and, and potentially then see if there's a role uh, to fill once Klopp moves on. 
Or if Steve True. wants to go to England, he would someone like a Wolves, say whatever, say if Nuno decided to leave Wolves, that would be quite a good project for him because that is a side that is, it's built on solid foundations. It's got decent backing and it's got a lot of really good players, but there's still a lot to tweak, move, improve. You know, they want, they want to be, they're probably like Leicester. They want to be a consistent European side. So yeah, if he wants to go to England, stamp on it. somewhere like that, not, not I'm trying to put Nuno out of a job, but I can see Nuno at some point moving on because I think he is one of those managers who seems to be like probably the next cap on the rank. You know, again, someone that Arsenal probably should have looked at instead of Arteta. Hmm. Very true. Paul, what about yourself? How do you see the the Arsenal, Rafa, Stevie, Brendan? I mean, I've been lucky enough to share a couple of podcasts with Lee Gunner in recent times yeah. on the day <laughs> trippers, and that's always a fun time because, you know, he I'm is very possibly... The, the least the least deluded Arsenal fan I know, uh, and I don't even know him, I've never even met him, but uh, in terms of, like, physically at least, but in terms of, the, should Rafa take the job? Personally, no. I don't think he should. Would he if he was offered it? Absolutely, because he's a mad bastard. Because yeah. he, he just loves that. He loves the ag. He just loves it, you know? And uh, I don't think, apparently at the moment, he's not too happy in China, even though he's on absolute mega bucks. So I think he's he'll probably be up for the challenge. But as I've said, and I've discussed it with Lee on a couple of the podcasts now, that you know, Arsenal as, a, as an institution from top to bottom is toxic. And... It's the manager, it's the players, it's the board, it's everything. The fan base, everything. And they, funnily enough, like we were talking about Man United reminding us of us back in the day. Arsenal remind me of us at the back end of the Roy Evans era before Julio came in. They need that new broom. They need someone to come in, completely sweep the club clean and say, right, this is the philosophy, this is the foundation, this is where we're going to go, and it's going to take us five years to get there. And like that, I'm talking like ground-level reset. For me, Gerard's not the person to do that. And personally, I don't think Gerard would take... I think Gerard's loyalty to Liverpool is such that I don't think he would take another top-level job in England, personally. I think he's waiting, and I think he... Again, I always make the point, Klopp's contract and Gerard's contract in 2024 both finish on the exact same day. You do the math on what potentially might happen if Gerard continues to be successful in Scotland. Like he's up there as far as I'm concerned. It's it's a it's a training ground exercise for him to take over eventually as far as I'm concerned without getting into that debate. But I don't think Gerard takes another top level club in England. I think Jamie's quite right. He might go abroad. I think Germany's a good shout for him. Yeah. But you know, I think I think Rafa could be interesting for Arsenal, but I don't think he should take it. Do you know, Keith, just, just on the, the Arsenal job, do you know who I think a lot of top clubs, if you want to call Arsenal a top club traditionally, um, yeah. Southampton's manager, That's new. Is, he, he is, like, when you watch them play, you know, you see sides and you kind of say, like, they... they um, they struggle to have an identity, you know, you know what I mean? And structurally, the way they set up, you know, they, they kind of drift through games. He has them so well coached. Um, I have been incredibly impressed with, A, tactically how he sets up his sides, B, how he conducts himself. I think he's the next manager to be kind of pushed for those kind of top jobs if he continues in the, the form. Like, he, he could go into Arsenal and do a great job. I have no doubts about that. He's also yeah. very good at uh, improving players. You know, like mm, Vestergaard yeah. looked at 
you know, when he first came, he looked like Bambi on ice. He what you know, he didn't look whereas at times of Vestergaard, there's elements of Savvy Hippie the way he clears stuff. Mm. You know, which is the biggest comment you give to someone, you know, to make you know, I idolized Hippie when we had him. And Vestergaard, the way he, at times when I watched him, I thought there is an element of Hippie about him. Uh, and that only comes from one thing, that comes from how he's coached by his manager. Yeah. You know, so as, again, another another big thing which would help Arsenal is coaching some of the players. I think some players just need coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to move off Arsenal now, lads, and we're going to move on to another team of chancers now that have a manager that, that could have gone to Arsenal, <laughs> that probably would have been a better show for Arsenal um, for what they what they needed. Everton are fourth in the league. Um, Jamie, I'll come to you. They're not second again. Well, it's changing by the week, you know, but what do you make of the Ev season? It's been a funny season for them so far, hasn't it? I have to be careful here because half my family are blues, right? So I'm going to get a load of abuse now. (laughs) So am I. Go for it. Yeah. Do you know what? I said it. I said it in podcast earlier on at the start of the season. I think if you keep Everton's best 11 fit, I think they've got a decent side. Um, I think the balance. So, so we were, uh, as you know, Keith, I I do a podcast with Alan Rogers, ex Nottingham Forest, and he is, has been very critical of James Rodriguez in kind of similar to what you're saying before, Chris, about um, uh, Madison. So Mm. you can play off the, he doesn't want to do the dark arts. He doesn't want to track back. Uh, You can run off the blind side and, and against the better teams, you get exposed. What, Ancelotti's been able to do, and I know he's got his fitness issues, is if you can create a system that allows Hammers to just basically not run, uh, have a free roll and create um, with the two dogs behind him in Decore and Allen, who I, I think are de- both decent, to be fair. Um, I think I, I think with Calvert-Lewin, that's the big surprise. I think he's been a revelation. I think he's genuinely top quality. Um, I think he's athletic. He can score goals. He can score all different types of goals. But a couple of key injuries to Everton and they'll fall away. Um, I think Lucas Digney is a big blow for them. I think he's been a real outlet there on the left. Um, that said, if they can get all their big players back, I think that they can give a lot of teams a, a, a good game um, and will take points off our rivals. But ultimately, I think Everton's fight is, is top six um, rather than top four. Yeah. Mohammed saying, Keith, where's that Hamez jersey you are rocking before the season start to throw it away? It, it's not a Hamez jersey. It's a Columbia jersey. It doesn't have Hamez on it. It's 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 no tribute to Hamez Rodriguez uh, or Yeri Mina. It's just a Columbia short that I happen to like South American football, you know. So I'll keep it, but point taken. We won't wear it on the show. But, um, Where is Paul, it, Sam? Just yeah, all lined up. Paul, Everton, how have you found our season? Well, I thought they'd already won the league after yeah. four games, quite frankly. <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah, I'll take some Release of that. Release the single and everything. Yeah, you <laughs> know, but the DVD's already out for Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. There you go, Jamie. So I've got your family guy giving, giving Thanks, me mate. shade now. Thanks. I've just I've just uh, <laughs> just thrown out, just jumped on that hand grenade for you, mate. But uh, in terms of uh, their season, they strike me as being one of those teams where, as, as as Jamie quite rightly says, you've got to keep the first 11 fit because it's one of those odd situations where the first 11, the first choice 11, they go together so perfectly. If you take even a minor part of that out, it all falls apart. And you've seen that with Dina's suspension. You've seen that with Richarlison being injured. You've seen it with other players not being on the pitch. Rodriguez. I mean, that must be one swollen testicle if he's still struggling with that after this amount of time, but we won't go there. 
But ultimately, I think when you've got that first 11 all fit and firing, it is a very well-balanced 11. I'll be honest with you, I went into the derby a little concerned. I was like, well, these guys have really got a chance now. And, you know, things transpired as they did. I think, honestly, I don't think Ancelotti fancies Jordan Pickford as the goalkeeper. I actually think he's looking to get rid of him. And I think that's going to be quite an interesting thing because he's identified him as a weak spot. And I I agree. Obviously, I'm going to agree. I mean, look what happened. But but ultimately, I think squad depth is what really, really harms them. But, you know, again, not to kind of throw too much shade, I think a lot of Everton's problems are going to come behind the scenes, coming yeah. forwards, because I think there's a very big question mark about where they're getting their money from. <laughs> and I think there is going to be a lot of talk. Not because, you know, Chippy Tits got arrested, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it's more to do with their funding and their FFP. And that is going to be a real problem for them going forward because they can't rely on Mishiri, or should we say Osmanov through Mishiri, pumping yeah. loads more money in because they can't do it on the books. So they're almost at the end of what they can do from a transfer perspective. So it's going to be quite interesting to see where they go from there. Yeah, it's very true, you know, the, the financials of Everton and, and this, the new stadium and all that sort of fairy tale stuff. It'll be very interesting to see what happens. Um, Chris, what about yourself? The Ev. Summer's coming, Washington, D.C., and so are pesky mosquitoes. Don't let mosquitoes ruin your backyard fun. Call your local True Green experts for True Green Mosquito Defense. This science-based treatment will help control mosquitoes in your yard within 24 hours and keep your family and pets comfortable all season long. Save 50% on your first mosquito service by visiting TrueGreen.com summer or call 877-629-0092. Say goodbye to mosquitoes and hello to the perfect outdoor space for summer. Call True green today oh the grace the grace you know have my in- oh, all my in-laws are blues they're all season sick you know my wife's uncle they're all season ticket holders so they love to tell me how great everton are how most of their side get into the liverpool side it's uh, it's great so um i think i think paul's right on pickford that is the one surprise i had in the summer was he wasn't the first man out the door i thought he'd have done what guardiola did with Hart. Which is took one look and I went, you know, you're done for me. Off you go, and just brought another keeper in because I just think he's he brings so much nervousness and he's like Joe Hart. He's too pumped up. Yeah, you know, in terms of but in terms of the players they they brought in, I've been really impressed with. You know, Decore is a player Everton have needed for probably two three years. He's a brilliant box to box all energy player, which is what Everton have not had in their midfield for years. Is that that bit? He's got. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's more than energy, but they've needed that mobility in the midfield, and they haven't. They haven't got it. Uh, Rodriguez, I think you've seen the best and worst of him uh, on his day. Look, technical ability, the shots he can do, the passing he can do. It's mesmerising. It's brilliant. You can see why he went to Real Madrid. You can see, but then you can also see why Real Madrid moved him on to Bayern, and why Bayern didn't take the option was when it's got tough for Everton recently. He's gone. He's got a bit. He's got a bit quiet. And there's the, the big question with that was always his fitness, and already he's missed what five six games already. Uh, I think that's the, the problem. Uh, I, look, and I'll hold my hands up. I was never a Calvert Lewin fan. Didn't see didn't see the hype. I just thought he was he was just a target man. He was all right, but you know he is what he is. Can't knock him. You know he looks like a man in form. Now that's got to be down to the manager. He's obviously coached something into him and got the team playing away that plays to his strengths. And when they play to his strength, he's really, really good. So, you know, 
I'll hold my hands up. You know, he's been a real surpri- surprise package for me. It'd be Calvert Lewin, but fair play, to, but fair play to him. I think Big Dunk got into him, did he, and maybe improved him a little bit. Um, mm. Made him a bit braver in the box as well. It'd be interesting, but the the thing about the Ev for me, right? They have a good team, I think. They have a good 11. We've all said that. It's when you scratch under that, when they lose players. Now, they've lost James. Um, and um, Goofy Sigurdsson has come in, and he's played quite well there. Um, in they, the all still, in they all still hate him, though. Oh, yeah. Him, Delph, Iwobi, they're players that they, they would have happily given, given away in That's the summer. That's what I'm coming to. That's their backups now, and they're yeah. the ones you're relying on. I mean, Alex Iwobi... <laughs> I mean, he doesn't do an awful lot for a big money player, you know. Like, what what does he do? He's JJ Okocha's nephew, and I think that cost him forty million. You know, like it's it's a mad mad scene. But do we see them improve? We won't go on about who's surprised with them. Even we're running out of time. But can we see them sustaining? Or is top six good enough for them, Chris? I think top six. I think those, they should be there or thereabouts in the European spot. If they're going to make a real push for top four. They need majority of their first eleven to stay fit for the whole season. That, that that's the big if that no one knows. But you know we can say that for every club. So I think I think they'll be around the European spots, but I think they'll be probably more Europa than Champions League. Yeah, which is fair enough. Paul, yourself. Yeah, top six for me. I think they'll be in with the shout of the Europa place, and that's about their level. Jamie, top six for me, mate. Good stuff. Everton, the, the 2,000 fans allowed in the stadium, 2,000 standing on the Gladys, listening to radios to see how the Reds are doing. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're they're probably lucky they don't have a full house at the moment when the, the ship starts sinking, but, you know, fuck them. We'll move off the Ev. <laughs> and we'll go did you hear, to... by the way, very quickly, did you hear yeah. about the fact that they sold a seat in the first game at Goodison with an obstructed view oh, yeah, yeah. of the 2000. It takes some doing that, doesn't it? That's the most Everton thing I think yeah. I've heard in quite some time, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it's 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 a grand old team to play for. I do love Everton. Um, <laughs> to a team I don't like now, Chelsea. Don't like Chelsea. No offence, any Chelsea fans in the chat, I don't think there is. Don't like <laughs> Chelsea. Um don't like Frank Lampard. In fact, we should get Joe on from All Leeds TV because he hates Frank Lampard <laughs> and hates Chelsea. But lads, Chelsea are fifth um, and Spurs are sixth. Now, not too long ago, these were the challengers. Chris, I'll start with you on Chelsea. What oh, do you make of their season so far? Oh, vibe shite. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if the, if, we just got, we just finished talking about Everton. If Everton's manager was in charge of Chelsea, they would be close to us or above us. With the investment he's got and the squad he's got, it's utter bollocks that he's it's took him 14 games to be a side above 10th. Yeah. And this is, everyone goes, oh, he's Frank Lampard, you know, it's hard, you know, because he's, he had to deal with a transfer ban last year. The transfer ban last year, which they still got Pulisic, so they still got Kovacic. So it's in transfer ban, I know, we still sign two players. It's brilliant. Yeah. So, it's, I just, I don't get it. It's because he's English. If he was, if he wasn't English, Frank Lampard would be under pressure now to get the sack. Um, but I mean, their their you know, their fan base, there are certain fans I've seen on other social media channels. It's just they're so flip flop. It's untrue. And um, for me, I don't, I don't think the, I don't think they'll win the title. Um, and I think that they're in a, a bit of a battle for top four because for me, in the big games, he, for a man who's got all that firepower, he just goes pure bottom league 
just have what we hold. We'll, we'll, we'll go for a nil-nil. I mean, he went to Old Trafford for a nil-nil. And even United, I know my mates are United fans were going, I can't believe he went for a nil-nil. He said we were like on our knees, like really like off form and didn't take a shot on. You know, but that squad he's got, let's not kid ourselves, that squad's brilliant. You know, Ziyech, you know, Werner, all the players they've got in attack and midfield, you know, I think defensively there's still a few questions, but there's so much quality in that squad. The way it's performed so far, it's not good enough. And I'm not having this, oh, they need time to settle, they need this, they need that. Mourinho spent that much money in 2004, 2005 and got them a title. So you can make you can make that squad gel. Uh, their biggest issue is the man in charge. And they said that last year. The only reason he got the job was because he got a transfer ban and they needed a friendly face politically. It'd be like if we got a transfer ban and Klopp had left, we'd have got Gerard in just because everyone got it. was a club legend and it will mm. soften the blow. To me, Chelsea will not be a threat. And this will probably get clipped when, it's, when it blows up in my face, I'm sure. I don't think Chelsea will be a threat until they get a proper manager. Yeah, um, Paul Yewitt says we won't finish in the top six not good enough Paul let us know what team do you support just out of curiosity um, you might have said it earlier but I missed it but let us know who you support interesting to hear uh, if it's Arsenal I agree with you but it'd be interesting on anyone else how, how you think that um, Paul Chelsea uh, just to echo the sentiments that's already been made the way I would describe Frank Lampard is that he's got all the gear and no idea that's a t-shirt that we can get that t-shirt yeah yeah there you go i'll take 10 percent of all the royalties so so basically yeah with with their francois as i like to call them is uh and he gets an absolute hiding on our whatsapp group as you can imagine and 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 the thing is with, with him he is so tactically inept it is absolutely shocking you know, he has no idea what his best eleven is, what his what his system is, and he is playing players woefully out of position and asking them to do things that they're not kind of capable of doing, which I think is the answer to the Kai Havertz situation. He's not being played in his best position. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Werner not being played in his best position because he's trying to accommodate his boys like yeah. Tammy Abraham and Mason, Mason Mount and those kind of kids that were loyal to him when he was over at Derby and when he came in at Chelsea. I mean, the only player personally that I think has impressed me so far, and it's only because he's about a million years old, is Thiago Silva. He's the only player that I've looked at at Chelsea this season and went, hmm, all right, okay, cool. I mean, all right, Ben Chilwell, okay. You know, Reese James, okay, fine. I mean, you could put my 75-year-old mother in goal for Chelsea and it would have been an improvement on Kepa. Yeah. And you know, it, 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 and even then, Mendy's got a, a bit of a, a bit of a rick in him, as we found out against Everton the other week. So for me, again, another one of those teams they they flatter to deceive, and my mind always goes back to when Liverpool played them at Chel- at Stamford Bridge, and we just swatted them. It wasn't even hard, quite frankly, and that was again the taster of Thiago as well, because he obviously played the second half in that game. But yeah, I, I don't think, I think again, like I've just seen in some of the comments there about apparently Werner's made some comments about how hard the Premier yeah. League is. To be honest with you, yeah, I am 
so glad. I remember the murder going off when we didn't sign him and we passed him up and there was just all of this. You mean Liverpool fans overreact, Paul? I don't believe it. Uh, And now it's Vernon now and all that stuff. Do you know what I mean? And uh, honestly, like I look at him now and I just think, you're a bit of a tit. I'm sorry, but you just you just don't culturally fit in with us. Like the lads in our dressing room would eat you alive and and spit you out. Do you know what I mean? He's just not mentally a top level player, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. I think they'll finish top four, but I think they'll flatter themselves doing it. Yeah, Paul, you were confirmed. He's an Everton fan. Fair play for coming on. Um, mm-hmm. We weren't really coined about your team, but you think they finish eighth? I think top six are Everton. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, mm, they've a good right. squad, they've a good manager. A good, sorry, they've a good team and a good manager, and it just depends how injuries maybe affect them in the second half. But yeah, I can see them maybe top six as well. Um, Jamie, Chelsea, yourself, what's your thinking? Um, so, yeah, I agree with, with, with everything the lads have said, to be honest. I think with, with Lampard is the narrative that gets spun around him, the way he gets protected, I, I don't, I don't understand it. And he, and he's very, he's oversensitive. He's very prickly. Um, the way he carries on in the media, it's a bit like a, a spoiled child, you know, stamps his feet a lot. Um, yeah, the, he just has this air of, um, he's a little too sensitive, needs to be thicker skinned. Um, and if you look at the quality of the players that he's uh, got at his disposal, like the lad said, how many of those is he getting the best out of? Um, there was genuinely, you know, European class talent that was coming in, uh, you know, with the potential to be world class. And they look like fish out of water. He's playing people out of position. He's flip flopping uh, his side. Um, I don't think they play with any particular identity. Uh, and this isn't always a tell for me. You know, if a manager has been there for a sustained period of time or a certain length of time, you want to see a certain identity. You know what they represent as a manager. I don't, I don't really think that Chelsea, you look at them and the way they play, there's no real identity or philosophy that Lampard seems to be pushing on them. Again, I think they've got good individuals. Um, I think that they're solid enough. Um, I think they are in a, a, a battle for top four with Tottenham for me. Uh, I think both Manchester clubs will come above them. Um, and I think it will be between the two. I do fancy Chelsea still to get top four. Um, but as you rightly said, you know, if you take in a manager like a Carlo Ancelotti into that side, they are immeasurably better. Um, and the blind loyalty to, to previous club legends like a Manchester United, you know, in the form of Oli, will hold the club back rather than be the catalyst to kick them on. Yeah, very true. Jamie, you'll stick with you. They're outside the top four, but you see them coming, you can see them pushing in there, can you? I have them down as, as getting the fourth spot just ahead of Spurs, yeah. And Everton coming in behind them. Excellent. Paul, what about yourself? Yep, top four for me. I think they they uh again they flatter to deceive and they kind of, you know, sneak themselves in there. Yeah, and Chris. Um I'll probably revise me United one, probably United third. I think if they keep Pulich and Ziyech fit, they'll get fourth. If they lose them for a sustained period of time, I think the uh, Spurs will get fourth and they'll get fifth. Yeah, pretty interesting. We'll move on to Spurs because last week, right, they were winning the league and were challenging us and today they're sixth. It's been a bad week for Spurs. Paul, I'll football, come to you. Football moves quickly, doesn't it? it does. Sometimes life comes at you fast. You Paul. literally just sucked the words out of your mouth there. Like, <laughs> seriously. I mean, I, I, I refer back to what I've said on previous podcasts. Spares are always going to spares. Mm. It's as simple as that, and it's in their DNA. 
and it's in them culturally as a club and it doesn't matter what shit house is in charge let's be quite honest about yeah. it and you know basically what jose has done has turned them as klopp said into a counter-attacking monster and when the counter-attack doesn't work they haven't got a plan b simple as that their cat their plan b is being basically again ultimate shit houses and what Mourinho's big transformation for spares has been as to is to basically just make them a gang of bastards excuse, excuse the language but it's absolutely true because you know me and Lee Gunner and you know a few of the lads had a, had a massive debate about Harry Kane's tactics of like backing in the other week and you know whether or not it's like in the spirit of the game and everything else and I think that just sums up Spurs as a team and you know once they've kind of exhausted that that plan A which fair enough caused us some problems at Anfield but we obviously found a way to win in that game and they've got some great players I mean Bergvine looks great I think obviously Son Son is their one of their players that if I had to pick of anyone that we could take from Spurs and put in our first team it would be him by a mile because I think he would complement our front three amazingly well the rest of them not convinced so I think it is going to be up and down and they are going to pull some good results out of the bag and they are going to kind of come up there again and you know the way I see things in general with all of these teams is that they're all going to have their little moments and they're all going to wave up there to second or third and then they're going to drop down again and it's all going to fluctuate and then it'll probably settle in late April early May basically with the last few games so I don't think Spurs are top four for me though I've got to be completely honest with you I think they're top six and I think they'll be lucky to get a Europa League place ultimately. Oof. Jamie. Uh, yeah, do you know the big thing for Spurs, right? And, and I agree with uh, with what Paul was saying. Um, the big thing for them is, I think I've seen something today that Son's conversion rate is about 47% at the moment. He's basically, he's he's finishing pretty much everything at this stage. You know, it's, it's unbelievably, I think it's one of the best in Europe at this this moment in time. Um He's an incredible footballer and he's going through that uh, that rich vein of form where you just want the chances to fall to him. Um, I think Laura mentioned in the comments there, they're a Kane son injury away from from falling away. Um, I, I don't think that Tottenham are the real deal. Um, I think that they have... Um, it's kind of like been the perfect storm. Uh, they've been able to, to to win games by taking one or two chances, but that's not going to be sustainable over the course of a season. Um, I think Harry Kane is a mirror image of his manager, and that's a shit house. Um, I think he's the biggest shit house in the league, and no one wants to talk about it because he's England's golden boy. Let's get it right. Harry Kane is a cheat. When Harry Kane plays football, he's a cheat, and um, he 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 doesn't. He doesn't go down under contact. He tries to find the contact. He creates the contact. Um, and he does it in a dangerous way sometimes. When he, that, that What he's doing there and backing into plays is going to break somebody's neck. And for, weirdly, on match of the day, they never want to talk about these things, where if that was someone... Um, that wasn't English, shall we say? They'd be it. There'd be a twenty-minute discussion point on it. Harry Kane is a shit house, just like his manager. Um, the one thing I would say is 
they are set up perfectly to be a, a counter-attacking side. The way that Jose has them drilled, and um, you know they condense space. Harry Kane drops deep. You can you can predict their goals, um, but they're that good and that talented. You still can't stop it. Um, if if you give Kane time to turn, uh, drop in, receive the ball, and Son's made the run or Bergvine's made the run, you, you're, they're always going to create chances. Um, but over the course of the season, I don't think they've got enough to sustain a title challenge. I think they'll just miss out on top four. Um, but yeah, like like Paul said, if I could cherry pick one player to come into this Liverpool side, it'd definitely be on. I think he's. Uh, I think he'd be brilliant on the clock. Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No contact, no commitment, no problem. Yeah, well, I was talking to me outfit today and, and he said since the day trip was highlighted, Harry Kane's cheating. He hasn't done it since. So I think we've He's managed listening. to He's that. watching, is he? Yeah, we've <laughs> managed to cut that out of the, the game. So we're going to take credit for that. Well, thank You're you welcome, Premier League. You're welcome. Thank you. yeah, we, we're doing that. <laughs> you know. um, Harry Gilliam has thrown in a super chat. Thanks very much, Harry. Emery has a team which is bang average, Europa League, and they're in top four in the league. It don't sack a manager too early, Arsenal. Emery had some potential. It's very true. I mean, teams can sack managers. I think some managers are, are just out of depth at certain jobs, whether they be unqualified at bigger teams or, you know, whether it's just not going right for them. Arteta is an interesting one. We spoke about them. We're not going to get back onto Arsenal, unfortunately, but running out of time. But, you know, it can be sometimes like Roy Hodgson with Liverpool, let's speak from Liverpool point of view. We knew he wasn't right. And despite what the media were telling us and, you know, what certain players that were, you know, Carragher and Gerrard might have said, oh, he deserved more time. He just knew he wasn't the right fit and he wasn't going to be, you know, him getting par would have been having us finishing sort of eighth or ninth. So we sometimes you can just tell a manager's out was death. But I do agree. Sometimes you have to give them a bit of time to to see if they can turn things around. But we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Um who hasn't spoke about spores yet? Me. Chris. Um I think I've been quite impressed with Spurs. I've got a, um, I think his business has been pretty decent. I think Hoiberg is what Spurs have needed for a while. It's it's a Mourinho signing, you know. He's mobile, he's physical, you know. He's he's good. He's you know he's good on the ball, which is what they've needed. And I know what we're saying about the, the Kane situation. They are a bit shit housey. To be honest, Spurs have needed to be a bit shit housey for years because always that phrase was lads, it's Spurs, and we all know the Ferguson quote. What he was referring to was get into him. And you can rough them up. There are vibes that if they got the summer, if they got next summer right, they've got vibes of peak Julier, which isn't going to win you a league, but probably win you a cup or two. Uh, and I think you know Europa League, they could be uh, ideal for it. The one thing I'll give Mourinho credit for, I, I can't stand Mourinho, but where I'll give him credit is I have never seen Serge Aurier defend that well against Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane, I know he may not have been on top form, but Sadio Mane rinses Aurier every game. Every game we've played, he rinses him. And if first Aurier, he gave as good as he got. I think eventually Mane got the best one because he's, he's the better player. But to get someone like a Serge Aurier to concentrate for that long, now, unfortunately, in the Leicester game, then he's, you saw what Aurier he's capable of. Aurier, isn't he? Exactly. But to me, I'm like, 
credit where it's, it's due. The, the big surprise for me with Spurs is I don't get why they're not picking Mora over Bergvine. Because to me, if Mora's in those positions that Bergvine was in at Anfield, we'd have been going two, at least 2-1 down and having to do a bit more of a bigger fight back. Uh, I don't quite get the Bergvine. I think he's a good player, but I don't think he's in Mora's class. I think he uh, does more defensively. I think that's what the, maybe, the big deal maybe, is. Maybe that's what it is. Uh, I mean, I've got Spurs finishing 4-4-5, depending on how Chelsea react. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if they did quite well in Europa or possibly the League Cup, depending on how, uh, depending on what draw they the draw they get. So it wouldn't surprise me if he's, if Mourinho say finished fifth and gets them a cup. He's sorted because to me, Spurs are a perfect club for Mourinho. It feels like when he was at Porto because he is probably bigger than the club, yeah. and I think that's Inter what Milan. Inter Milan. Yeah, I think that's what he needs because uh, it, it's partly rejuvenated him. And the good thing with the Spurs players, a lot of them are going to have to. If they can say, "Oh, I don't like the tactics. I don't like how we're playing," but he can just go, "Well, look at me medals. What have you done?" Yeah. He, even yeah. to Harry Kane, who is arguably you know one of the deadliest strikes around, he can say, "So we haven't won anything." You know, and in the crucial moments, you haven't done it. I can make you do it. So I think Spurs, I think the thing that's helped Spurs is in this horrendous pandemic world that we're in, the fact we've had no fans in as they've given Mourinho the six-month grace he's needed to get this defensive, not very pretty style in uh, without the crowd getting on his back. Because let's not kid ourselves. You know, I was a massive Gerard Houllier fan, but the football was horrendous. But if it gets you to, but if it gets you to winning stuff, I'll be honest, no one gives a shit. No one gives yeah. a shit about style of play if it wins your stuff. So I think Mourinho, if he gets them close to winning something this year, it gives him a bit more grace. If they fall off terribly, like they did a little bit last year, that's when he's in trouble. Yeah. We won't um, get predictions because we're running really keeping you so long. We've got on to Man City. But remember, Gareth Bale was the biggest signing of the season. Absolutely. Mm. Stock sure he's been. So long may that last. Um, Man City. We'll quickly talk about City. Because they're 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 way down at the moment, but they, in my opinion, they're the trend. They're, they're the ones that I'm worried about. Jamie, Man City, they haven't had a good start of the season, have they? Do you see it improving, or is it a myth now that they're going to put 28 games in the trot wins when they haven't managed to put three together in a few years? I I think they're they're the threat. To be honest, um, I think defensively they look um, a lot more solid. I've uh, been really impressed with Diaz since he's come in. I think he looks like a proper player. Um, I, I don't think Laporte has looked great since his knee injury. To be honest, he hasn't really come back to the levels um, that that we knew um, you know, that he reached previously. Um, Manchester City will always be the threat for me, um, especially with Aguero coming back. Um, they create a lot of chances. Um, they create a lot of chances. They have a lot of ball. Um, they are littered with quality. Um, I can I can only see them being stronger in the second half of the season. Um, I still do think there is a is a gap between ourselves and and Manchester City, um, but I think that they are comfortably better than the rest. Um, I just think when you look at City's strength in depth that they're able to change a game in so many different ways. I mean, if you look at the West Brom game, you know, that could have been a completely different scoreline. These, these results that City have, it, you know, they could whitewash teams. There's been games I've watched where they should be three, four goals ahead and somehow miraculously the game is still, uh, you know, they're still level pegging. And um, I don't expect that to continue into the second half of the season. I think they are capable of putting a five, six game win streak, um, you know, together um, and kind of rising above the rest. Um, I have them down as the team that will come second behind us. Um, but I still do expect Liverpool to, to win the league by, I, I think they could stretch it to 10 points. Excellent, excellent. Paul, what about yourself, Man City? 
well, as I tried to tantalizingly kind of that, you know, was that your hidden before, team, was it? That was the hidden team, <laughs> yeah. So it was a massive anticlimax alongside the final season of Game of Thrones there. So very sorry. <laughs> uh, spo- spoiler alert. Sorry about that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, for me, City, for very different reasons than traditionally, I think they are the threat. Because, yeah, okay, they haven't strung three wins together and they're not exactly banging them in the way they used to. But isn't it now six or seven clean sheets in a row? Yeah. I mean, their record, you've only conceded 12 goals. What did they say? Defence wins championships? I mean, I don't think they're going to win this championship, quite frankly. But I do think, actually, weirdly for a Pep Guardiola team, I think their title challenge is going to be based on defensive solidity. Because it reminds me of teams where it's like, again, to go back to Evans, Julia, that kind of era, like, we were so exciting to watch when Evans was in charge, but we were defensively in absolute shambles. And then Julio came in and the pendulum almost swung in completely the opposite direction (laughs) where we became so defensively fantastic. It was like a miracle, but we became so turgid going forward that it was just a misery to watch for a good long time. City have just done that because I think they've focused so much on getting the defence right that they've forgotten that they are predominantly an incredibly potent attacking force. Now, yeah, you can say Aguero will come back and this, that and the other, but I think their whole remit now is to kind of balance it where, you know, Klopp said something at the weekend, like it's better to win seven games 1-0 than win one game Mm 7-0. I think they're in that mode weirdly at the moment so for me i think they do have the capacity to build and be able to put a run of fixtures together but it'll be a load of one nils because again like kev just said in the comments there sterling's a poor finisher absolutely and salonsani probably was a mistake considering it seems to be going catastrophically wrong for them at Bayern already but ultimately they've got enough on the pitch with mares g jesus if the if he does kind of Pip, you know, pop in every now and then. Ferran Torres has looked all right for them. They've got enough about them to be able to nick loads of games, 1-0, 2-0, 2-1, that kind of thing, where they'll just accumulate points in almost like in kind of a... You won't even notice them, and then they'll be second. They'll be yeah. right up there. So, you know, I think they, they're the same for me. Good stuff. Chris, what about yourself? Um, I, I think the they seem to have blunted themselves so far this season. Now, look, that that could change with the quality they've got. But they almost seem to be like they seem to need two holding mitts now to hold Rodri's hand. I think that's the problem for them, is Rodri. On the ball, he's brilliant. I mean, most City players are brilliant on the ball. Off the ball, he doesn't know what's behind him. He doesn't turn around ever. And we played in that in the in the Emirates game, which to be honest, we should have done we should have took more advice than we did. Uh so I think he hasn't quite got the balance right. I know what we're saying, you know, they're making themselves more defensively sound, but I don't know if they've gone too far the other way. Uh, and unfortunately, at the moment, Aguero, he's back again. I was this his second or third injury already yeah. this season? Yeah, are we saying Aguero's going to go the rest, of, the rest of the season without picking up another injury? If they do, then they'll be fine. Without him, I just think they look a, a little bit Blunt. They feel like a team that's in that's probably at the end of a cycle. That's that's going to need a bit more, a bit more work doing so. Which is probably to give them the two year contract, which surprised a lot, including me. I can see why people think they're a threat. I'm still waiting to see this proper run. Uh, are they capable of it? Of course they are. We we saw it the year we finished second to them. They went on a ridiculous run. There's something like 19 games 
19 wins in a row. You know, brilliant. Um, I'm waiting to see them kick into that. When they kick into that, then we've got a proper title race. Because they get they get to five, six games, as Paul said, then you start to worry. Because once City get on a roll of winning, they're really hard to stop. But at the moment, when I've looked at their fixtures, um, their home fixtures for the next four or five are, are pretty favourable, which helps. Uh, their away ones is what, what what's going to give them the challenge. Yeah, they've got they've got Everton. Uh, they've got uh, so they've got Everton, Chelsea, us, Arsenal, and Leicester. It feels weird. I said before putting Arsenal in that, but they've got some some tough games to come away from home. I think the big one as well is will they get to? I think we've mentally broken City. I think they know that we're a better side than them. I think if you look at the first twenty minutes at the Etihad, they look like a fish out of water. They didn't know what... I mean, I know we were brave playing the four attackers in effect, but still, I think there is a, a big gap between the two sides. I think what a, a lot will depend on where they are when the Champions League kicks back in because we all know that that's the one that Pep wants. Is there going to become a point in the season where maybe they're a little bit behind us and they start to prioritise the Champions League over the, the Premier League? Because I think they may have to make that choice at some point. I think that's more of a mental block than us, the Champions League. I think it, I think it's so much in the head now. I think anything goes against them in the Champions League. I think it, it it's got it's got to that point. It's a, it's a bit like us trying to eventually win our first title in thirty years. I think the Champions League has got to that point with them now, where it's becoming just like the was it the, the elephant in the room. Mm. That, and, but if I said to you now, if or if what will Pep's success be judged on? I think people will more talk about the fact that he didn't win the Champions League rather than him winning the league. Yeah, I think you're right. Despite the fact, you know, he's he's won a, a domestic treble and, you know, he's won the league back-to-back, you know, his first time since Fergie's won it back-to-back. You know, the, you know, you can't, you can't, um, you know, knock what he's done. Uh, but ultimately, he was brought to City to win the Champions League because City were winning yeah. leagues before him. Maybe not to the same level, maybe not as dominant, but he had won the league. It wasn't like it was not like Klopp with us, which is he's won us the league, which no one's done for thirty years. The big thing for them is whoever wins City the uh, their first Champions League, and it'll happen at some point, I'm sure, will go down and you know will be their legend, will be their biggest yeah. legend. Uh, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that because you know winning European Cups isn't easy. Even for, you know the great if Ferguson only won two. And you know he was a master, and yeah. the fact he could only win two shows Incredible. it's not e- it's not easy to win him, you know. Yeah. Very true, very true. But look, lads, my battery's on laden life support <laughs> at the moment. So before we finish up, I'll get you our predictions for the top four. I know we sort of mentioned them in passing, but Jamie, give me who you think is going to come fourth, and then he'll come fifth because I think fifth's the only Europa League place. But then you'll get extras for other. You so what did it start on? So I said uh, Liverpool first, City second, United third, uh, Chelsea fourth, Spurs fifth, Everton sixth. Excellent. Paul? Yeah, similar to Jamie. Uh, Liverpool first, City second, Chelsea third, United fourth, I think Everton fifth and Spurs sixth. Ooh. Chris? Uh, Liverpool top, City second, United third, I've got a feeling Spurs might pinch fourth and Chelsea get fifth, but those two are interchangeable. I think Everton will get sixth. It's a very similar list, I suppose, all around. I agree with Liverpool winning a surprise, surprise. I agree with City coming second, surprise, surprise. I think it'll be Spurs 
and I think it'll be United and I think Everton and then Chelsea. That's how I think it'll go myself. So it's very interesting, you know, but we could all be wrong. We could all have egg on our face. So before we finish up, um, just again, this show was brought to you by uh, footballprizes.co.uk. If you haven't, go over, give them a follow, have a look, some excellent stuff on their website that you can, you know, bid or you can go into the raffles for and you might win and, and they really are top quality gear, all certified as well, which is, which is excellent. So, Give them a look up when you can. Um, the lads will be on tomorrow. There's going to be a Friday forecast on tomorrow. And yes, we know it's not Friday tomorrow, but we're kicking into this madness now where, you know, we've Christmas and we've games here, there and everywhere. So Gav will be on tomorrow. I don't know who's on with him. I think it could be Grizz and I don't know who else, but there will be a show tomorrow night as well. Um, I want to thank the lads for joining me tonight. Jamie, thanks very much for coming on. My pleasure, mate, as always. Good stuff. Paul, thanking you. Always a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. Good stuff. You're becoming quite regular in these parts, which is a good thing. <laughs> and Chris, which I new set up on your Christmas tree in the back. I'm expecting you to keep that tree up in June as well, because it, it's given <laughs> us a little bit of sparkle to the show. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on again. No worries, no worries. Look, um, it's been a long show. We didn't plan on staying this long, but it's, when you get into these interesting conversations, time flies when you're having fun. Um, I've been your host, Keith Plunkett, and we've been the Day Trippers, and we'll see you all again soon. For confidence in your financial plan, look for a CFP professional. When your financial advisor earns the CFP certification, it means he or she is trained to provide ethical financial planning across a holistic range of topics, from retirement and investing to taxes and estate planning, all in your best interest. So with a CFP professional, you'll feel confident in your financial plan today and tomorrow. Three letters do make a difference. Visit letsmakeaplan.org to find your CFP professional. I have been fed, that's a fact. I have been fed, that's a fact. My credit card purchases get me cash back. My credit card purchases get me cash back. No one else gets these rewards. Sergeant, that is just plain untrue. What in tarnation? Sir, PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Sports Social Podcast Network.